When you look into Discover Student Loans, what you see might surprise you. We can help cover your college costs, don't charge you fees, and give you cash rewards for good grades. Ready to apply? Visit discoverstudentloans.com. Limitations apply. Welcome to Women Winning Divorce with your host, Heather Quick. Heather brings over 20 years of law experience that advocates and empowers women to achieve happier and healthier lives. Each week, we provide knowledge and guidance on different aspects of family law to help lead women through the difficult and emotional legal challenges that they are facing. Listen in as she discusses issues including divorce, custody, alimony, paternity, narcissism, mediation, and other family law issues to provide insight on the journey of women. Women Winning Divorce. Welcome to the show. I'm Julie Morgan, and I'm joined by your host, Heather Quick. Heather, how you doing? I am great, Julie. How are you today? I'm doing very well. It's good to see you. It's great to see you as well. You know, this is our last time talking about this topic. I mean, the overall general topic of narcissism, right? And uh, being married to a narcissist, divorcing a narcissist. Today is co-parenting with a narcissist. I have a feeling that co-parenting with a narcissist is a challenge. Indeed it is. Um, and I think as we get into it today, hopefully we're going to at least provide some education and tips for uh, women going through this that that will hopefully help them. So, you know, once you're divorced, even if you have kids, the manipulation ends, right? I know you know that that's sarcasm, but okay, go ahead. <laughs> well, no, because you are still connected with them. So, you know, for for women who, yes, that you've divorced the narcissist, and so there, it's a little less, but, you know, you're connected to this person forever. I, I hate to break it to you when you have children. And it doesn't just end at, you know, 18 years. So the better you can equip yourself to deal with these situations, the better. Yeah, I was thinking about that because we've talked about co-parenting before. Of course, not specifically narcissists, um, uh, co-parenting with a narcissist. But we've talked about the fact that, you know, co-parenting, it lasts forever. It lasts a long time because, you know, you'll possibly have grandkids. So it's, they're going to be there a while. Exactly. I mean, that's the reality, even though we, you know, legally and, you know, we try to say, hey, you've got 18 years, you know, once they're 18, but I mean, let's be real. It's thereafter. And so, and at that point, after 18, you just really have to figure it out how to navigate that because there's no court system that can help you with that. And you know, the courts, there are ways to achieve goals through that. It's really, there's more therapeutic ways to help people navigate the co-parenting. But the reality is now you're on your own and mm -hmm. they're still, you know, they're going, hopefully going to college. They're going to be, you know, getting married, buying their first house, having kids, things that they're going to go to both parents for. And I think just kind of the more you can learn how to deal with that, narcissist co-parent and your children early on, I think those tools and those methods will work for you in the future. Do you think it's possible for a narcissist to co-parent? 
I I don't really think so. It's more like what we would say, you know, counterparent. It's if they, you know, are still, if you're still the target, but you still are in a way, you know, they're really still going to try to hurt you and they are really going to miss the emotional damage that they're doing to their, to the children. Unfortunately, the children's are just pawns in the game because now the game is a bit different because it's no longer as much the marriage. So now the children are the tool that, you know, he can use back and forth and, and they do. Mm, Okay. So they really can't co-parent, you know, that's sad because that's, that sounds like that's really damaging to the kids. It is. And you know, the reality is that we've talked about this before that that's their parent. All right. You, you guys chose each other, whatever happened, like you two made these children and this child that that's, that's their father. You're their mother. I would say you help them cope and understand. And yeah, they may have to figure this out a little earlier than other parents, you know, other children who maybe the parents stay married or there's not a narcissist, but they're going to learn great if you can help them cope and support them in a way without engaging in the same type of behavior that your your husband, ex-husband does. It's going to give them a lot of education, which they can, you know, build on. And part, mm, yeah, hopefully so. And part of that um, damage to them is they may, they may say, oh, I want this particular time with the kids during the process, but then they don't show up. Yes, that and, you know, part of that will be, again, because that's the game and the control on and winning, you know, and they're saying, okay, well, I want all this time. Well, now that the divorce is over, um, they may not show up. Um, or when they do have them, really not exercising the time with them. You know, they're having their mom or dad watch them or just, you know, babysitters and nannies. Mm, okay. All right. So they really won't spend time with the child or the kids. Uh, you know, mo- you know, most likely not probably as much time as they have fought for. And it's more about having the time to say they have the time. Will they, you know, we always hope, hey, hopefully that is a, you know, they do utilize that time and it is, you know, quality time for them. But I think if you look at the literature and the data, not so much because they're, if they're probably haven't changed and everything still revolves around them. So even when the children are there, it's not all about the kids' schedules and their sports and things. It's more about, well, this is what I want to do as your parents. So this is what we're going to do. But don't they have to adhere to the parenting plan? They do, but there's a lot of leeway in there and there can be like, so we, you know, if you have a well-drafted parenting plan, knowing who you're dealing with and really addressing issues that you anticipate coming up or things that have come up during the divorce and marriage, that will help you quite a bit. But there are a lot of standard, if you use standard language, you know, the the standard language in a parenting plan is going to presume that you guys are going to work a lot of this out and that everybody's going to be reasonable and put the kids first. And so that when that doesn't happen, of course, is, you know, frustrating. 
This really goes back to that um, that episode, that show that we did when we talked about the parenting plan and co-parenting. And you, I remember you saying how you need to really work on the language. The language needs to be specific for your situation. It does, and, and things like, um, you know, how, you know, the one of, like, here's an example, potentially, is, you know, your child has played soccer and travel soccer the, the entire marriage, you know, which is an investment in time and money for the family. And now the divorce is over and, you know, a general parenting plan will say you're going to split things 50-50 that are agreed upon. So now all of a sudden they'll be like, well, I didn't agree to that. And then that just absolutely affects the child who this is their, this is their thing. And so they may, you know, you might want to really have more specific language in a parenting plan as to kids who really are on, you know, that sports track and dedicated, but no, they agree that as long as they want the child, you know, is wanting to play, they're going to do that. And then on their weekend, they're going to travel and handle that and take them to these games. You know, when it's at that higher level, like that's where some specificity in your parenting plan is going to help you. And again, that can be negotiated on asking the court and the court may at the end of the day say, hey, you know, you may be a bad parent if you're not going to allow your child to do this that they've always done, but I can't force you to do it. And that's where the narcissist prevails, you know, and they might. And it's just, and those are hard lessons for your children to learn, but that's their father. So, and, and I know that's not an answer to solve it, but Sometimes you just have to have some acceptance as to that's who he is. That's how he's going to show up for you. I can only do so much. That's why I left because I can't, you know, um, and that's why we left because I couldn't live like that. And yeah, you still have to deal with it on some level for the children. Mm. So it sounds like to me, let's say something came up, a situation came up in your life and you have to swap weekends or something like that. That's probably not going to work. It can be very difficult. Yes. And and they may say, yeah, so what that will be something where you could address that in the parenting plan because that's what people want. Like, well, they want to switch, but then they know it's so difficult. And so they opt to say, you know what? You take if you can't take your time, let me let me know. I'll take them. But we're not doing makeup time and we're not doing swapping because then they have altered their whole schedule. And then they're like, oh, hey, you owe me two weekends. I want these weekends next month. And you're like, no, it doesn't work that way. Um, if you want, if you can't watch them, I will. And then, but we don't have makeup time. Um, that can really get tricky. And that's something that I've seen over time. And it's like, and if they won't agree, if you say, hey, can you watch the kids? You've offered it to them. Now you can have your parents or you may have a sitter you know say you've got something to go out of town for work or an event it it's going to make it a little more difficult for you that's why they're going to do it like that you know their schedule prevails and i was thinking even if you said okay sure we can swap two weekends next month or you can get those extra two weekends they may not even show up true and, and that's just something you've got to or cancel the last minute uh, oh, this this came up. This is so important. I need to handle this. So, yeah. And that's really just, you know, going to most likely be a pattern. 
that yeah. you're going to see. Do you alert them or do you tell them that this is this is going to happen? You know, usually it happens through while we're going through the process, the divorce. You know, you're, they see this. So, yes, we then talk about it and say, all right, like in particularly when we are crafting the parenting plan, because that's just something that if we are in negotiation, we want to try to put some things in there that are specific. Like if they're traveling, let's say, you know, your ex is going to be moving somewhere and you know, they're going to have to get there and back via the airplane. Now, one of the things, and this was many years ago that, and it was an issue because he wanted the, the airport. Um, and it wasn't, the children weren't, it wasn't in Florida, but like, as an example, and this is a bit extreme, but, um, just say, well, he really wanted the Orlando flights because it's a direct flight. And we all know like Orlando's a bigger city than Jacksonville. So, um, but that requires you as the parent here to provide some of that transportation and that's twice as far away. Um, so it's important to identify the airport and identify the times because many times they're gonna pick the 5 a.m. flight and that really impacts you if you have to have them at the airport at, 3.30 a.m. or 4. So things like that, which, you know, that's because, you know, that's what we think of in our experience. Like, hey, if there's travel involved, we need to put, you know, and air flights, airline times will be between the hours of 9 and 9, you know, or 9 and 10. And that depends on the age of the children. But knowing you're going to have to provide some of that transportation to the airport and specifying, you know, which airport, because, if you don't, don't be surprised when, you know, that's what they throw at you um, because that was the cheapest flight, but really, and they, they don't care or are considering really your schedule, what you and your child have to do to get to the airport. All righty. Okay. If you want to listen to um, the episode, the show that we did about co-parenting and parenting plans, you can go to our website, womenwinningdivorce.com to download that episode. What about finances? I mean, do they pay their fair share? Usually not. Usually really have to fight for it. And again, some things are on like when we do child support guidelines you know that's a formula we've talked about that i think at some point and there's what's called the statutory percentage and it really is based on earning and so it could be a 60 40 70 30. now some ex out-of-pocket expenses may be on that same percentage you know automatically some you need to maybe negotiate and look at but I, you know, generally it is going to be 50, 50 and because, you know, maybe they're paying support and, um, they still may, you know, not pay their fair share because generally each parent has to pay their hat, their, the whole thing and get reimbursed. Um, and that, you know, that can be difficult for sure. Oh, okay. Pay the whole thing and get reimbursed. All right. I wasn't expecting you to say that, but we're going to come back and we're going to talk about that because <laughs> I can see how that can be an issue in any situation, even if you're not dealing with a narcissist. Hmm. 
You're listening to Women Winning Divorce with Heather Quick, owner and attorney with Florida Women's Law Group. We're going to take a quick break here. And when we return, we're going to talk more about those behaviors that you need to look out for. Stay with us. Welcome back to Women Winning Divorce with Heather Quick, owner and attorney for Florida Women's Law Group. All right, Heather, when we signed off just a moment ago, something you mentioned that I thought was interesting, you said that usually one parent pays all the expenses up front and then they have to be reimbursed. That can be a challenge even in just a regular situation. But with a narcissist, I have a feeling that's even more difficult. Well, yes, and you're right, it is. And it it's generally for, let's say, co-pays, medical co-pays, but also a lot of time extracurricular. And, you know, those are when you really start to get into expensive things. And, you know, maybe if it's summer camps, that can be hard. So you really want to look at that language, which generally is, you know, like two sentences in a 20-page parenting plan on that reimbursement. You really want to look at it and understand, like, how are we going to tell you? Because, you know, if you're going to the doctor a lot or all these little expenses or, but I mean, everything adds up and it adds up quickly. Even the lunch account, you know, who's going to be responsible? And it, the more specific you can be in a parenting plan for, with anybody, but particularly with a narcissist, the better off you're going to be. because you're trying to have a clear indication of how things are going to go as much as possible. You're still never going to cover everything because that's just the way it works. You know, there's just life is, you know, it moves and it's not always the same and different things happen. It's variable and sometimes you got to be flexible, but there are some types of expenses you can anticipate and you know are going to happen. And therefore the more we can say, Hey, and when they go to the orthodontist, you both have to sign the contract on how it's going to get paid. Because a lot of like, say the daycare, say the summer camp, that's fine. You know, they don't care about the court order. Like it's got to be paid. And their job is not to call the father or you or anybody on their half. So that just is a challenge. And, you know, for you, because it's nobody else, you know, you want your kid and, you know, you've got in this camp or whatever, you've got to make decisions early and you have to pay and then wait to get reimbursed. So yes, that is a way they can, you know, control and manipulate the situation. Mm, Okay. That makes sense. That definitely makes sense. Another behavior that you can look out for is they're going to trash you to your kids. That's really not cool. No, it's not. That is a a real problem, no doubt. And, um, you know, what is hard. And therefore, we'll talk about this a little bit later when we're talking on, you know, how to make it work and things like that. You know, you really, this is one of those things where you take the high road. It will benefit you. And I'm not even talking about court. I am talking about this from experience as a child of divorce, as a parent, and as somebody who's represented, you know, hundreds, thousands of women over the years, take the high road. You don't talk about it, even if he does and say, you know, really, that's not the situation, but we're not going to discuss it. 
Now, some things, of course, as your children get older, it does get harder. But if you get sucked into that, you really are harming the child, even though you think like I'm defending myself, but because you're just engaging in this, you know, stuff with them. And in a lot of ways, you know, if they believe their dad and that's what they think, you, you might have to let that go a little bit. They're going to figure it out. They really will. Kids are smart. They are going through this oper- this time through divorce. And many times they're manipulative if they're a teenager. And that would be normal for them to do that and play, you know, not maybe necessarily play each of you against each other, but they're looking for their advantage, you know, and that that is normal behavior. And they're looking for where am I getting the best deal here, you know, and so... That is difficult one to deal with. And if it's bad enough, maybe we do go back to court. But the proof in that, that comes really mostly through if the children are in counseling. Many times that's really what they need to be in these cases. Okay, so going back to court, and if I'm not mistaken, you said that that would be a very difficult thing to do as far as redrafting this whole parenting plan. And it's really not a redrafting. It's more of an enforcement. And, uh, hey, he's in contempt. He is not following this. This is not in their best interest. This is what he's doing to the children and talking bad about me, alienating me. You know, um, and again, we're not going to be bringing the kids into the courtroom. That is a very rare circumstance and not really um, usually um a good idea at all and but if there's counselors if there's teachers you know it's if there's other people who are aware of this and or changes in the child's behavior you know there's lots of ways to get this evidence before the court but then you know maybe we look to do that to enforce and say he's violating this the issue then becomes the what's the remedy you know a lot of times in a lawsuit people say hey you know, I was wronged by this person and the fact, and it looks pretty true you were, but again, then we go, well, what were the damages? You know, like, so, okay, you were wrong, but I, there's nothing we can do to make it better. So in this case, not quite the same, but it is, it's like, yeah, he's wrong. He's doing this, but what remedy do we want? And, or what is available? Not what we want. We might, as clients, as women want him to have nothing to do with the kids. That That's going to be a very drastic thing. That's really never likely going to be ordered by the court in less extreme, extreme circumstances. However, that's the part where you've got to talk about with your lawyer and we got to look at, okay, I think, yeah, we can definitely prove this, but what's the remedy? What are we going to ask for? And what do we think will help that we think the judge can order? So that is a big, big part of it that a lot of times women, you know, don't think about but they don't know. And that's why you have to talk lawyer to a lawyer about this because they may say, well, there is nothing we can do. Well, we got to talk about it. Understand your circumstances. Let's talk. These are possible solutions um, that the court may be able to order. So that is really goes hand in hand with that because if we're going to court to say you're wrong, okay, but really, we want to have an idea of what we want the judge to do. Because I've been in the court before, and the judge is like, well, what do you want me to do? And we're like, well, this is what we want you to do. And, you know, you need to tell them what you want to do, them to do and what you think they should be able to do based on the law. But here's my thing. Will the narcissist comply? 
even if it's a, a court order, even if you've brought the judge into it, right? Will they comply? Maybe, maybe not. And that, that, that's part of the question. Well, well, what if they don't? Well, it depends. You know, if it's really the bad behavior and your children are suffering, you don't have a choice. Okay. So then in my opinion, that that's harsh, but you like, what else are you going to do? You're going to do nothing. No, we're going to try to get something to maybe get a counselor involved with them that is court ordered. And that counselor can report back to the judge and maybe their time does get restricted eventually if they don't really participate. Um, you know, effectively um, and, you know, openly in this counseling, but the child gets the counseling. Um, maybe there is, you know, a parenting coordinator that assists with making sure that the counseling is happening. So there are some things that can be done. Um, and it just depends on the situation and the severity of it. And really, I think at the end of the day, how your children are doing and does this, you know, I mean, it is a, we weigh the pros and the cons and what, you know, we think, hey, this is what I think could be the remedy the potentially the judge could do or they could not, you know, again, because you have to go in front of a judge usually to enforce the parenting plan when the behavior gets really bad. So that becomes the issue. Will they comply? Well, I don't know. You know, narcissists, again, we've talked about this, you know, at the heart of it, they're a bully. They can't bully a judge um, and the judge can really, when you recognize the power that the courts have to put you in jail, they do. You walk in that courtroom, they have the power to have the bailiff take you to jail. Um, not that I'm saying that that is a remedy that you could get for this. It would have to be very extreme, but there is power. The, the court system does have power and once you have to go in person, you know, and now most of the courts are in person, which I think is a good thing. Um, you would kind of recognize that. And, and and I've seen situations where a judge really will dress somebody down, order something, and it it's effective. Mm, okay. But, you know, do I know? No, I don't know if it's going to be effective. And, you know, if you're not willing to try, you're not willing to try. But that's all you can do. And there are ways and things we can do. But then don't, you know, complain about it if you're not willing to try to go do something about it. That's kind of harsh as well. But either you're going to sit there and be a victim or you're going to stand up and to take whatever actions are available to you. Right. Mm. So all of this, when a narcissist trashes you to your kids, it really is all about parental alienation. Yes. Yes. And, you know, at its simplest, you know, getting them to like you, you know, them more than you. It can go really deep and it, you know, on the surface level, they're the Disney dad, the one who gets them the new iPhone. They get them this, they get them that. They don't have to do chores. It doesn't matter. And then they come home with all this and they're like, mom, why don't you do this? Like, why don't we do X, Y, Z? And it, you know, it is manipulation. It is through the money and it can get worse, you know, uh, and then it can be, you know, the reverse too, but where they won't get them anything. And they're like, well, your mom took all my money. So I'm sorry, I can't get you that new pair of shoes. I can't send you, you know, I can't give you money for lunch or whatever. And usually that's that's an exaggeration and not true. But so either way, they're always, again, trying to paint you as the bad guy, them as the good guy. And whatever, they're, they're the best dad ever. And then, oh, don't you want to come live with us? Like, it's so much better over here. We have this bigger house, new stuff. Got a puppy. Now they want to be with a puppy or, 
you know, and then, oh, sometimes they'll just like buy the puppy and have a license and they're like, oh yeah, take the, of course, take the puppy home. And then what if you are working and you're like, oh my gosh, I can't have a puppy. I don't know what to do. And then now you're the bad guy. How do you tell your kids? Like, no, we can't keep the puppy your dad gave you. And this all goes back to control and manipulation. Correct. And so it, you know, it does change and kind of almost goes to a different level because you're no longer living in the house, but they're very adept and skilled at this kind of stuff. So they'll still do it in a lot of different ways. And, you know, um, those are some examples of some of the things that they may do. So when they do this, they try to alienate um, one parent. This is really putting the kids in the middle of, of all of your mess. That should just really be between the parents, mom and dad. Indeed. And really, he, he's creating the mess. There isn't a mess. Like, it's one way versus the other. You don't need to tell them things. You should not show them the court papers. Um, you should never disparage one parent over another. You know, you shouldn't do any of that. And I know I see your face. You're like, what? Show them court papers? People but do that? They do. They do. And yes, yes, they do. And it, again, is there is no good purpose for that whatsoever to show those to your children. Because at the end of the day, you know, and is Let's just say both parents are wicked, awful, like horrible. Okay. Let's just say, let's even play with them. They're both awful. Well, but they have children and that child came from both of them. So when you disparage one versus the other, I mean, they're like, well, that's part of me. And it, it's disparaging your child as well at some point. Um, and they may not recognize that right away, but they do. And they love both of you, even if you're both awful. Truthfully, that's what kids are. They do. Until they get old enough to be like, all right, I need space from you and how to how to adjust with that. But so that's the reality is, you know, bringing them into your dirty laundry in your mess. They already know enough. They lived through it. They know enough from observation and living there that you don't like him and that y'all don't get along. So they know so much already. Like, why bring them in more? Because it's just really going to affect them long term and they're going to resent you. They will absolutely resent the person talking bad about the other one. Whether or not it's true. Like this is more about allowing children to be children. And you know what? If you guys have to deal with your issues, deal with it and keep them separate. Um, and if you don't know how to do that, then seek some counseling to help you. Um clarify that and as the children get older and if they've been empowered like this is just like another thing I thought I just had if one of the parents has empowered these children with all this information um you know that can be that you know bratty teen or whatever or even younger kid you know confronting well you know dad showed me this or that and it's like you really have to establish boundaries because now there are two different houses and each person, you know, runs that house in their own way. And you have to be the adult and set boundaries in your house with your children of how, how we're going to communicate about members of our family, even if they're not here, information I'm going to share with you and the kind of conversations we're going to have. And that is 
a way if one parent has put them in the middle to say, these are the boundaries at this house. And when you go to that house, they can be different. But when we're in this house, these are the rules and boundaries with which we are going to abide by. Ooh, boundaries. Yeah. And that is, as the caveat to everything, hey, that is really easy for me to say. It, it's a lot. It, it takes a lot. It does. It takes a lot of work. You've been going through this process. You got out of this relationship. You're like, I'm still dealing with it. I, I recognize that. You know, I recognize it's still difficult to have to learn that. But, you know, when, if you have a few things you can do, because I know, we, I know we've talked about this before, and this is something that I am, am absolutely uh, dealing with, you know, a lot. I think anybody who has kids is like, we can only control our reaction and our behavior. We cannot control another person's, but we can control how we react to it. And we can control how we're going to show up when these things are going on and that's all we can control and that can be part of what's distressful because you can't control what's going on over there but you can't you couldn't anyway you're listening to women winning divorce with heather quick owner and attorney with florida women's law group when we return we're going to talk about how to make it work stay with us You're listening to Women Winning Divorce with Heather Quick, owner and attorney with Florida Women's Law Group. Heather, how to make it work? That's, I mean, how can you? That's a really big question, but I know you have the answer. <laughs> I have some answers and I have some tips. Um, and again, it's, you can only control what you can do, but when you have some of these, which really, kind of from the last segment, you know, they, they do, they are boundaries. They are kind of the rules are which we're going to engage, um, if you will. And that, that can be very helpful and really most helpful for you because then you, you kind of can know how to follow it. They may or may not follow it, but, um, you're going to be better off knowing, Hey, we have these guidelines. So, you know, we talked about this, I think in the very beginning, the parenting plan, and that it at, is as um, specific as possible and details that are specific to your family uh, that you know are issues. So the more specific you can make a parenting plan that is tailored to your situation, the better off you're gonna be. Um, and that that's just the reality of that. And that includes like their schedules, of course, holidays, visitation, we talked about the financials, medical costs and extracurricular and, you know, all the things that if left open to interpretation means he's open to switch it, manipulate it. So, and yes, you are trying to control everything by doing this in this parenting plan. But again, it gives you the rules by which to play um, with and engage with him and can be very helpful. Now, something this just made me think about this, you in order to get to this point um, where we're talking about these specifics as far as the parenting plan is concerned, you have to truly understand and accept who you're dealing with. Agree. Yes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, yes, you do. And, you know, can you draft a parenting plan to address every single issue and thing that may come up? No. But there are some basics that you can really 
be specific and that sometimes can be extremely helpful. Yeah. And when we're talking about communication, really texting and email, I need to make sure that I have proof of what's being said. Yes, and you, yes, that's very helpful. Many times um, there are, there are, there are certain programs that are available that have come up that are used for the specific intention of communication between divorced parents. And, you know, that can be a wonderful thing because it is a complete record. So it is not, you know, it's very easy to manipulate an email or text messages. Oh, it only went back so far. So I only have so much. So many times that is an effective tool for communication and and it does and then it, it can be very specific in the writing i mean and at the end of the day would it be better if you could pick up the phone and say hey can you pick up the kids today i've got to work late but you're not at that point right now and you may not be you know with this person so having a tool like that to communicate with can really give you a a better, you know, management system for that. And then I will also say, um, we have um, before in a parenting plan, uh, you know, no more than two messages a day. And, um, you know, you know, it's reasonable to, you know, respond within 24 to 48 hours and not, you know, just because it's their emergency and they want an answer today. And, you know, coincidentally, they're probably reaching out to you while you're working. Or if they have the kids, you're like working, you know, you're adjusting to fill your time, but then they want you to be immediately responsive to their request. So sometimes that, if, if that has been an issue in the past, it, it's helpful. And it's just recognizing because I think we all recognize if it's an emergency, you ought, you need to pick up the phone. And most parenting plans will specify, you know, it, you ought to. And if the other person doesn't answer, then leave a very nice email and then you can follow up with the text, but you need to, um, know that and then otherwise anything you're going to send you know we're in this automatic immediate society and you know they it it seems though you're so rude if you do not respond to a text instantaneously or heaven forbid you know within two an hour but you know what maybe you want to digest it and you don't want to be reactive so you have to have 24 hours and there's nothing wrong with that like you divorce this person so that you don't have to have constant communication. Right. You know what? I, I find it interesting that you, <laughs> there are programs that are designed just for this. Yes. Yes. And the courts love them because then the courts can get access and then they can read it all. And, you know, and they, they've become so advanced and I think they're, they're very good tools, you know, using technology to really help folks because some of them have, um, the spot where you can attach um, any bills, anything, and that's in the expenses. So you don't have to like find those emails or wonder. You can just, you know, attach the bills and then, you know, respond. And now, of course, with all the, I mean, what are the cash apps between, I think guess one called Zelle, Cash App, and Venmo, you can easily, um, you know, provide reimbursement and proof of that in a way that, you know, there's a lot of things that can be used to make it so much easier and it does provide a nice record. So yeah, those, those, um, um, you know, applications and things that, you know, are there specifically for parents in a divorce, 
and post-divorce really are a great resource. Wow. I didn't even realize that there's, there's an app for everything or a tool for everything. It really is. Pretty wow. much. I know. Indeed. Yeah. Now, one thing you said is that, you know, um, there could be a limit to the number of text messages or emails because these things could be used just really just to torment you. Yes. And harass you and say, look how unresponsive they are. And, you know, uh, you know, your failure to plan doesn't make it my emergency. But now, you know, at two o'clock, you recognize you can't pick the kids up and then you're frantically trying to get in touch with me when, you know, I've made plans. Um, and, you know, then they, you know, at a later date, they say, well, I called like three times. It's like, yeah, within an hour, mm-hmm. an email, you know, that is not on something that's an emergency that you could have foreseen and planned for. And that's not me being unresponsive. That's you needing to plan. And um, so that can come up. And a lot of times we will have seen that trend during the divorce and separation of, you know, a barrage of emails and texts at certain times. So then, you know, there's a a pattern of that, a history to say, this is why, like, we got to put a limit because like, they just are, you know, again, set some rules of engagement here on, you know, what's appropriate and that's not appropriate. Um, and to expect immediate responses to all of them. You know, I, I know sometimes we sit down and I email and, you know, you, you do a lot of emails at once, but this is your, your child's parent. So it's like, what, you know, do you need to talk about? And sometimes, even though, yes, we said text and email, um, sometimes you're just going to have to talk to them and as much as you don't want to. And that's when, you know, one of the things on how to make it work is maybe you need a parenting coordinator. Um, you know, that those are cases that are high conflict, that it is ordered by the court, they have experience, and they kind of help the two of you navigate when there are difficulties. And that's usually post-divorce, but having a parenting coordinator can be very effective. Interesting. Okay, so we just went in a different direction. Okay. Okay, we're going to talk about parenting coordinators, I'm sure, at some point, because I didn't realize that person existed. There's a job for that? There is. There is. And and usually they, they always really have some type of therapeutic background, and sometimes they have legal background, so they understand the family law process. And it is a therapeutic tool that can be ongoing, and at the end of the day, it's it's much more effective than each side having their attorney trying to deal with parenting issues. It's kind of post-divorce, like, hey, guys, that's where you need to go and try to get through many of these issues. When a disagreement comes up, rather than call your lawyer, let's go there. And they have a little more, it's a little more than just the family counseling. You know, it's that extra level and it it's, can be effective. It, it's still a challenge because the people, they haven't changed who they are, but Now they've got a very clear parenting plan and the rules. So now having a parenting coordinator involved and counseling usually for the kid, that can really bring them to terms that maybe, maybe won't be as adversarial and it can be more efficient. So it's, that is definitely a way to make it work. Um, and, you know, when we were talking earlier about remedies and I said, you know, you never really know, like that could be a remedy. 
you know that there are so many things out there now and new things happen all the time. So that's a cool idea. This is what this person is specializing in and that may be helpful to your particular situation and you know they may not go voluntarily but when you're having a lot of issues maybe that is something through a court order that that could assist the two of you um in navigating the co-parenting world so that's when i say that's why you know for the woman dealing with this it may get to a point you he's out of control and you really just can't seem to get past it you know he still has all this behavior the kids are suffering um and it's just non-stop that may be the time to that you do have to go back and like get a court order on something that may help but then at least if it doesn't you tried it and the court is aware you know if you just suffer through it all for years there's not real any evidence of anything that you've tried to do and and that's why it's important to when things get tough like seek advice to at least find out if there are potential remedies. You may think, I don't want to do that, but at least you didn't, you, you, you checked it out and you said, oh, okay. Because like you said, you know, they may not know there's apps to help communicate. There's a parenting coordinator. There's different types of therapy that could be ordered. There's lots of things that may apply. So, you know, when, it, if you're feeling like it's so bad and that narcissist is just, you know, still has such a hold on you and the kids are really suffering because, you know, he's not really prioritizing the kids, it may be time to sit, talk to a lawyer to determine what what could be done. Oh, wow. Okay. So this is something that you could go back and ask for. If, if you felt like it wasn't necessary at the beginning, it's something you can possibly ask for in the court later. Correct. Because, you know, things may be weren't as adversarial or like a lot of this behavior wasn't exaggerated or it really wasn't causing problems say during the divorce so you you know it wasn't an issue where like i think we should have parenting coordination um and, and because that's costly too of course you know and you're gonna have to pay for that help it, it, you and you're probably gonna both have to share it so um you may think at the divorce i don't know we don't want to engage in this i think that now that we've got everything set we're going to be fine so yes it is something that can be ordered later on and sometimes that is more appropriate because like hey we've tried this for a couple of years these are where the problems are and in talking that through with an attorney and or a therapist you know you may hear and may say well i know people are doing this or there's this option so that's really there sometimes there are a lot of options sometimes there aren't but that's where you have to investigate and and understand hey this situation is getting kind of crazy and we've still got five or six years left where these kids are under 18 or maybe even three years where the kids are really suffering and i, I want to do something about it so hmm. Okay, Heather, there are so many places we could go from here, but unfortunately we are out of time. Is there anything else that you'd like to add on this topic? Uh, you know, again, I, I know these can be difficult times and for somebody in it listening, they may think, oh, that sounds so easy to do. I recognize that. And, you know, I think as any, as a parent myself, we all are trying to be the best parents we can be. We can only control ourselves. You can't control your ex. But, you know, if things are bad, um, 
you know, reach out and, and at least find out, you know, if that's something that we can help you with, because we have so much experience in the courts and, and different, you know, that's the beauty of it. We, we deal with so many particular different situations that different remedies, different solutions come up because we've all been doing this for so long and, and you just have a vast knowledge of experience with our team and reach out and let's see. And that's the one thing we're, we're always going to tell you the truth and maybe, you know, what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. We're going to let you know if we think one, this is a possible remedy and we think we have a shot at it or not, but this is maybe a way to get there. You know, sometimes it's not ready yet, but this is maybe how you could better position yourself and this situation to be ready to file in court and succeed. So reach out to us if you are a woman going through this, or certainly if you know someone that that is, we we are definitely here to help you. Heather, it's always a pleasure to see you. Thank you, Julie, so much. Pleasure to see you as well. Thank you for listening to Women Winning Divorce. We hope you found information to help you navigate your divorce. If you like our show, please take the time to subscribe and provide a five-star review. If you need more information, please visit our website at womenwinningdivorce.com, where you will find previous episodes and other helpful content. Join us next week as we continue our journey of Women Winning Divorce. When you look into Discover Student Loans, what you see might surprise you. We can help cover your college costs, don't charge you fees, and give you cash rewards for good grades. Ready to apply? Visit discoverstudentloans.com. Limitations apply.